Um, I guess we need like a High Republic themed title for you, don't we? What would what would your role be in the High Republic world? So, in Into the Dark, there is described a diner. Uh huh. <laughs> that is like eighteen seconds into the recording. Eighteen seconds. <laughs> the galaxy is at peace, ruled by the glorious Republic and protected by the noble and wise Jedi Knights. This is the era of the High Republic. Welcome to the High Republic. I'm Supreme Chancellor Danny, and I'm joined by uh, infamous diner owner Dylan. It's got a nice ring to it, too. It does. I like that. Our, our friend of the pod and Bessalisk expert, and uh, we're going to discuss the first five comics of the Marvel comic series in our first comic-themed episode of High Republic today. Ooh, so I'm excited. Uh, so full spoilers and no structure. That's kind of our uh, that's kind of our mantra here on the Higher Podlick. So uh, let's do it, um, right. Dylan. I am curious. I, I've been asking everyone just sort of like what has been your Higher Public experience thus far. It seems like you have pretty much been going all in on all the content. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been. I I don't know. Ex- I think because of the way that it. Like, I know there was, you know, some frustration about the whole, like, ooh, Project Luminous thing, and then just, like, <laughs> us not knowing what on earth was going on besides it's these authors and it's something with the Force and the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, but, um, but like, when it was announced and when, like, the content started being released um, and all these characters started being, like, discussed, um, I n- never quite had that experience like of you know growing up harry potter generation but i wasn't uh, i wasn't allowed to read harry potter during that time because and now of course i don't want to read harry potter for a different reason but like during that time like i wasn't allowed to read harry potter because it was like witchcraft stuff and all that funny how the Um, pendulum has swung all the way in the other direction on that isn't it (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) complete like I, I what do alienate about... extremists on both sides of this aisle there? <laughs> like that, In... That's really quite the balancing act. <laughs> astonishing. Truly astonishing. Yeah. Um, so, but like my friends all had these big like book and movie release experiences of like, man, the next one's coming out. We're going to get excited about it. And then we're going to get together and discuss it. And, and, you know, discuss like, you know, how it went and, um, like, you know, what, what house would you be um, a part of? And, you know, what would your wand be? What's your Patronus? And all that sort of discussion that I didn't get to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And so this whole hype of the High Republic and being in the fandom, um, and for the most part, like the fandom of the High Republic seems to be at least, you know, again, having curated who I'm interacting with online, like they seem to be pretty dang decent folks. And like there's new stuff to be like, oh, now we can see like what the Jedi looked like in their prime, and they've got these funky lightsabers. Like there's a variety of lightsabers, and also like you and Meg, 
uh, had discussed, and I think Saf also uh, had discussed on like the um, the young uh, the young reader books um, mm-hmm. about like, hey, it's different force powers, and like everyone kind of like you know interacts with the force in their own way, and so what would yours be? And so for that, like that was kind of that vibe of like what I missed out on as a kid. I can kind of come in and be a part of it now. And so yeah. that's kind of why I've been kind of charging all in on like that's why I like started the the leap into it because I wanted to be a part of this big experience. But then like afterwards kind of I've kept up with it because there have been characters that I've latched on to and stories that I've enjoyed. And also like the representation is incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. well, not incredible, but good. Like, and yeah. it's constantly getting better. And I appreciate that. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you um, talk about sort of the FOMO aspects of the, of the Harry Potter generation, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think for me, like, and I talked about this with Ben on the episode that he was on recently about how it's kind of, it's the new Jedi order experience for me. Cause that is something that a lot of Star Wars fans talk about with great fondness and nostalgia. Uh, if a bit of eye rolling, but sort of that ability to have this like interconnected series that you'd look out for each new book coming out. And and so this to me is sort of then um, I feel like I'm getting to experience that kind of thing for the first time. And if I may say so, without ever having picked up a new Jedi Order book with higher quality material. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely I if I can, rec- I've never I haven't read the new Jedi Order, but if I'm recalling some of the authors or at least one of the authors. Yeah, I'm going to say that I trust these folks, <laughs> this folks more. Well, and I, 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 I wonder if that's a, you're talking about the uh, how, the difference in sort of the, the fan base seems positive. And of course there is curation mm-hmm. happening there, but like I, I was thinking about like, I wonder what role that the creator engagement has with that too, because most of the creators are very active and engaged on social media and mm-hmm. and seem to be like, quote unquote normal people whereas not to okay i guess a little bit to knock on abrams and kennedy and and johnson and like the folks involved with the films and the larger star wars stuff like they seem like they're very inaccessible yeah yeah so i I wonder how much that also sort of helps to create this fan community then that feels a little bit more friendly and welcoming when the creators themselves are sort of curating that in a way too yeah and and like for like i follow a lot i don't think i follow all of the authors but i follow a lot of them and especially uh, Daniel Jose Older um, mm-hmm. does a lot, and he's he's the one. He's not writing this series that we're talking about, but he writes the other comic series, the uh, High Republic Adventures. Um, and he is very excited and, and like very engaged with the fan base. And I'll like see him retweet things or um, or quote t- tweet things and reply and like. And so like there is a lot of activity that I think also encourages engagement on that level Mm -hmm. um and also one of the things i really appreciate about um again not this comic (laughs) wrong comic series but i'm going to talk about it anyways like but whenever a new high republic adventures comic comes out not only does daniel jose older be like hey i'm really excited about this look at my work he always tags like the artists and the letterers and like whoever else Mm -hmm. worked on there if they're on there i'm like well like so kind of even though we've got these five authors, yeah, five authors kind of helming the front of it, there's still the acknowledgement of like, there is a team behind all of this. And I think that's a lot more regular people making this come to life. Yeah. And I think also, uh, I'm going to mispronounce her name, but um, 
Christine, uh, oh, Christine, Ar- Christina Ariel with the High Republic mm-hmm. show. I haven't been keeping up with it, but like, I think also that as well, the, the High Republic YouTube show has been helpful in getting folks involved and like getting them engaged. Yeah, so. totally. Basically anywhere where there are lots of angry fanboys in the comments, I know that this is probably a good place to be. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm with, I'm hanging with the right crowd. Yeah. Oh, you've got those folks angry with you? Great, I'm in. Great. We're yeah, we're pals now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I we've basically been talking about books so far, and I haven't really had a chance to engage much with the other media. And and I, I'm curious, what was the experience because it sounds like you're reading the comic issues as they came out live. Is that mm-hmm. true? Yeah. yeah. So yep. sort of what was the experience of reading those as they came out and sort of inter intermixing with the books and sort of having that sort of comics and books? way to experience this era and be i mean really this arc is kind of doing what uh light of the jedi did too right we're sort of really just introducing the world and sort of giving our footing and, and establishing the setting in a lot of ways yeah uh so i actually because my shipment of light of the jedi was delayed um so it didn't get to me for like about a month mm-hmm. i like this comic series was actually my introduction to the high republic like oh, this cool. is th- this was my dive in my di- my first experience with um with you know Avar Chris who's like you know one of the big 3 of the Jedi um mm-hmm. was through the lens of Keith Trennis and Skier um and then Maru um on and so that was so like this was kind of like my introduction to it all and I was like that that made me happy like this was a good introduction i feel um mm-hmm. uh, especially because uh kiev is fantastic and then and then like as skier's character kind of um we start kind of poking at the underlying issues that he has like the way they t- the the pair of them we've we've together as characters is really cool um and who boy does he have a lot of underlying issues <laughs> oh this poor man <laughs> this, oh, poor, boy. this poor lizard <laughs> oh buddy oh buddy um but yeah, so that was, I'm actually really glad that this was my introduction instead of Light of the Jedi, because even though like I like Light of the Jedi, I think it's good, and I like a lot of things about it, um, I was a bit frustrated with how none of, like, any time we got an introspection on a lady character in that book, they were immediately killed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of frustrating because the ones, the characters that we, the lady characters that we did get to see or see like survive and stick around were kind of held at a distance. Um, including like Avar Chris. And, and this was a discussion that you had with, um, uh, about the, uh, with Ben and Dakota, yeah, Dakota on the rising storm. Um, uh, that, you know, we're, we're thinking that maybe that that third book is going to be Avar Chris because the first one was, a lot of Elzar and then Stellan and so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. She showed up in this comic and I was like, oh, Avar Chris, I barely know you. Like the quote yeah. unquote main character of the High Republic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And but, even here, she still is pretty one dimensional. Like we really have not in all the media, we've really not had a chance to dig into like anything beyond the surface of sort of like just trying to keep it together and do my right. job. And that that is kind of what we've got here too like but we do have like keeve as like like the lead character which is nice because so that we get a complex character that we're diving like 
deep into her um uh into like her thought process and like her Mm -hmm. struggles and emotional journey but like one thing like when i was doing my reread on this um and like keeping in mind that keeping in mind the fact that we don't know that much about avar like this comic series is really the best glimpse that i at least i've seen of her um and i there was this little i don't remember which which one it was but like there was a point where she made a where avar chris like made a decision um and it was maybe a little i think i think it was specifically with the huts and kind of shortly aligning with the huts in order to fight back the drinker on that one colony Mm -hmm. and and maru on the 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 fella on the station had said like okay yeah the council has some concerns and avar kind of mutters to herself you informed the council of course you did so (laughs) like that was just like a little tiny glimpse that i didn't catch the first time around but Mm -hmm. now i'm like huh okay avar what's going on (laughs) yeah showing some annoyance with a colleague yeah (laughs) a little bit of a break in the composure yeah and like specifically like frustration with the council it Mm -hmm. seems like um so that like there have been like this to me had a bunch of like little tiny hints at avar that i'm i'm curious about yeah i feel like there's a lot of discussion about like some major character is going to fall from the jedi fall to the dark side join the lost 20 whatever Mm -hmm. it is and I think Avar is kind of the dark horse favorite for that to be the case. And this is a great example of just like a very small, very subtle hint of like, she's not really on the same page with them necessarily. Right. Like, was it? And and I think that that choice to align with the huts in that moment is also like the, the council would probably never advise it, you know, to do that. Yeah. Um, which And the fact that she's willing to sort of embrace a slightly less than pure black and white view of the force and decision making is um is interesting to see from the quote-unquote like front runner star jedi of the jedi right and especially with um looking at then a reflection of what's happening in the in the future of the clone wars in which they do make an alliance with the huts Mm -hmm. um rather openly and like with the blessing of the republic uh, for for space for a battle for a war and so and that was something that the council decided not just one like marshal out on the edge of the galaxy mm-hmm. yeah so that that that'll be that'll be interesting to see huh that 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 yeah. puts my brain in an interesting headspace because <laughs> in this moment i'm like pro avar because i'm like hey way to see shades of gray but i think the council during the clone wars i'm not pro the council because they <laughs> are seeing things in black and white and yet they are also now making this obviously bad decision to align with the huts. I, I, I think guess, like, there's nuance to every situation, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's like a question there because they're, because with the Drengear, like there is, you know, there, there's some negotiating with them or, you know, some ways to push them back without, you know, mass, you know, destruction of them that we see mm-hmm. both here and also in uh, the race to crash point tower. Yeah, but reasoning I, and logic. It turns yeah. out is the the key to <laughs> defeating <Yeah>. the drinker. <laughs> um, but there's also the uh, there's also the thing of like they are here to eat. Like this isn't mm-hmm. some plot manipulated by uh, by politicians. Um, 
this is literally some like a bunch of plants trying to eat people. Yeah. And whereas with the alliance with the huts on that end, that was very much along the lines of, hey, the separatists were there there the separatists had points. The separatists were frustrated with the Republic and there was a co-opt of both the Republic and the separatists and corruption um that made it into an ugly situation. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, so much of the Clone Wars is the council being like, we have to do this terrible thing, but we can't let the public see us doing this terrible thing, so we're going to hire out someone else to do this terrible thing for us. Whereas the council of the High Republic, I feel like, would just be like, no, it's a terrible thing. We're not going to do that. Yeah, except for, uh, oh, shoot, the warmonger. Why did I forget his name? Yariel Poof. <laughs> Come on, Yariel Poof. <laughs> My brain went Plo Kloon. I'm like, Ash is going to kill me if I blame Plo Kloon. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked about a lot about Avar, but like, should we talk about Keeve and Skier? Yeah, so so Keeve and Skier are pretty much the the heart and soul of of these first five issues, I would say, right? Mm-hmm. Like their their relationship and and Keeve is clearly the main character. Um, yep. And I mean, just once again, this is this is a broken record theme of this. Uh, these episodes but the padawans during the high republic are so good they are they're so good and keeve is just one more example of a padawan who i'm like oh i i get you i relate to you you're so good i just want to like wrap you in bubble wrap and protect you from all the things and and skier kind of has the opposite approach of saying no climb to the top of that tower you'll be fine (laughs) One of we the see things... kind of a, a really a tough love sort of relationship with them, which is, is fun, I think. Yeah. And I think what I think is really weird about their relationship is we are starting at the point where it's it's changing. It's going mm-hmm. weird, not just because of uh, Kiev earning her knighthood status, her knighthood, but also uh, Skier is going through some heavy trauma. Yeah. And. That's, yeah, we don't it, go on the journey with them. We're pretty much asked by the authors to just buy in that, like, this is a really strong relationship already. And we do get some, like, mentions and little flashbacks to sort of show that. But basically, we are starting at the point where they are already this really strong team up. Now yeah. it's going south. Yeah. And I felt, I feel like there's, like, over the course of, like, the first uh, five slash six issues, um, five issues, uh, Actually, yeah, just just over the course of because um, I've been keeping up on it over the course of it, like they do a better job. Like, I feel like it like having that um, situation where like, hey, these two were a great team, but now they're falling apart mm-hmm. could go really like poorly in terms of storytelling. We've seen that in Attack of the Clones, in my opinion, <laughs> in mm-hmm. which in which you don't feel like Obi-Wan and Anakin are close at all. You just yeah. see a whining Padawan and a nagging master. Um, and like the one, the elevator scene doesn't cut it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas this, like, I feel like there's enough like scattering and also being allowed to see inside Keeve's head a little bit to see a lot of her, how, the way that she thinks about things. And she's over analyzing the tar out of everything, which is not relatable at all. <laughs> <laughs> um but to kind of know like this is her mindset of like 
I'm going to overthink everything, even as I make like a pretty hard decision, like when she chooses to save the uh, uh, Yimmy, y- y- Yinri, the, the little the little bugs, the little fellas. Yes. In the first in the first issue, like um, even though Redotti, like, Redotti. I don't know. Like there, there's the there's the big bugs, but then there's also the flying fel- folks who just annoyed the shit out shit out of her earlier. Oh yeah, I don't I don't know what they were called. <laughs> yeah. Um but like there's so much like self-doubt that Keeve has and so Skier being kind of this very the tough love thing kind of feels like it grounds her just kind of mm-hmm. based on how they interact as opposed to Obi-Wan trying feeling like it's trying to reel in Anakin and Anakin feeling like he's just trying to you know, be arrogant about everything. Um, it feels like this sort of tough love situation like actually works for them because we can see Skier being like, no, you can do this. And then when she turns out she can't, oh, well, then we just try again. Like there's yeah. that sort of like grounding situation. So Yeah, I like that. And I like that comparison too. I think the the where Obi-Wan fell short was that Anakin clearly needed a Jedi Master that was going to talk about his emotions with him. And right. Obi-Wan is not your guy for that, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, versus, yeah, like, I, I don't know. We don't have enough context here necessarily to know. But, like, it seems like Skeev, this is, isn't Skeev? just a tough love. Sorry, Sheev, not Sheev either. Skeev. <laughs> How you doing, Danny? <laughs> uh, so, anyway, I have this theory that came out of these issues. <laughs> um, it seems like Skeev isn't necessarily just embracing this tough love philosophy because that's who he is as a Jedi master. Maybe so, but like it works with Keeve specifically Keith and Skier. Oh my gosh, these names. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, we do get to see like, I think a glimpse of him right before he gets taken by the Drengear the first time mm-hmm. when one of the twins, I don't remember which one, it's either Sarek or Tarek. Um, the one who was injured, um, and then there was the one who was like captured by the Drengear, and um, Skier just got himself Love like a good a, Star Wars. Would you rather? Yeah. Would you, <laughs> 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 would you rather be injured, or or would you rather be captured by Drengear? Yeah. Uh, there is, and so like Skier had just gotten like the lecture from Avar about like, hey, what the fuck was any of that? Are we okay to swear, by the way? We're okay to this swear. This is Rogue Padron. Fuck yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I, fair so, yeah, enough. It doesn't feel like it because it's just me here, but yes, it is. We're still. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was, so like Avar just had the whole like, what the fuck was any of that uh, Skier? Yeah. And so, like, Skier's like, yep, I know, I messed up. Holy shit, I'm not me- myself. And, like, you can see, like, a moment, like, before he gets taken by the Drengear because of, because one of the twin basically vomits spores in his face. Yeah, uh, as you do. Just a normal day does. being a Jedi. <laughs> right? But, like... Risks of the job. Occupational hazards. <laughs> <laughs> OSHA compliance is hell. Oh, can you imagine being an Osho like assignee to the Jedi Order? Oh my god. You you had you had them do what? Where? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there was one time like in the midst of like uh Nile smoke like 
Skier took off his mask to like you know try to find someone by scenting them but my brain was like no like yeah yeah fuck, bad. It's don't inhale that <laughs> put that back on we're in a mask mandate zone <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the, but, like, the osha force related bylaws <laughs> handbooks alone are just like excruciatingly long <laughs> just like they're they're tomes yeah. Like, I'm sure Wreath would love reading them. Like, you know, just oh, yeah. sit and read through Wreath them. Wreath has written them. Yeah. <laughs> no bugs, please. Purely out of personal self-interest, but Wreath has written them. <laughs> uh, but, oh, back to um, uh, Skier being, they're like, he has a moment of gentleness where he tries to be his old self. Mm-hmm. Like, between, like, the lecture of chris and the you know possession by the drengear is like he tries to like you know gently like calm the twin and like you know comfort them um and, and this so is like, where the comics media i'm sorry to cut you off there just, oh, just to comment it. on this this was like the um this is where the comics medium really was great for this story right because we had this the ability to show the dialogue boxes are either black with white text or white with black text like based right. on if he was if it was the Drengear speaking through him or if it was Skier like kind of breaking through. And I mean, obviously you could do that in a novel too. You could use, there are different ways to sort of indicate that, but it was just, it was, it was a fun little uh, tool that they used that worked really well in this medium that I thought was, was kind of cool. Yeah, I would agree. Like they've really used in general, the, um, the, the format of the medium really well, I feel. The um, visual storytelling. Yeah. Um, and like, especially with, like the facial expressions have been phenomenal um, mm-hmm. throughout these stories. Um, like you can really like feel what the characters are feeling. And I really appreciate that. And like w- how they choose to like frame it. Um, uh, especially when like, you know, Keith was about to get her knighthood and she is just fully intimidated and like completely panicking in front of Avar. Just the way that like she was like, you know, framed like, you know, kind of in a lower corner and kind of like, you know, more more intimately, like with the reader, whereas like Avar was this um is this like grandiose like force that kind of towers over her. It was mm-hmm. like like there's a lot of good stuff like that. Yeah, like we, you can describe the image of Sarah being inside of a rancor's mouth with words all day long, but it's just not the same as getting to see that beautiful imagery like drawn out for right? you, you know? Yeah. Or or the the corpse of a hut getting an autopsy. That... It's just, I'd, ra- I'd rather see it on the page than have it described to me, you know? Maybe that I'm was... weird. <laughs> I, I loved like coming back and rereading after uh into this or the rising storm because uh the archivist i uh, archivist oh because i'm not gonna try to pronounce their full name Oberlin. Oberlin. like seeing uh seeing them and being like oh i remember like i didn't i didn't register you the first time around but yeah. now like coming back to reread after i've like spent time with you hell yeah hi I loved that because yeah. looking at the comic, there's no way that you would indicate that he's not just like a bipedal sentient species. And then you read yeah. the rising storm and find out that he's just like a blob that squishes himself into a spacesuit in order to get around. And I'm looking at the comic again, a whole new way now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. Just, I think kind of like one of the things about like interconnectedness with high Republic, like part of me is like worried that at a certain point we're going to, 
kind of hit those critical mass points of where like if you don't read the adult novels then like you can't read the ya novels and still get the same story or you can't read the comics and still get the same story but at this point it mostly does feel like it's just fun to be like hey i know you i like you yeah i (laughs) yeah i definitely wondered about that when i was reading this because um specifically with vernestra and emery i like i know them intimately by now Mm-hmm. But if I'm reading this comic from the first time, I didn't feel like they really got a proper introduction. And I think that that's the point where I'd be like, I don't know who these characters are. Um, yeah. And it, it, I wondered if if a new reader maybe felt, yeah, like the cast was there a little too many characters sort of put in here. Yeah. Um, but I agree, I, for the most part, it, it, they, they are doing this balance well of, of having it be sort of this um, independent story and... Um, there, there are names that we've seen in other places and they're getting larger roles here. And, and I think that's nice. Again, that sort of, we can recognize like, oh yeah, that's the name of someone on the grand council and oh, here they are now in person in the comic. Right. Yeah. I, and like, I feel like having that central core of characters to focus on yes, um, yeah. in here, like with, cause a lot of it is Keeve, you know, trying to come to grips with her new status as a Jedi and working through her self-doubts. Um, and, and like, having that... And this, you know, changing relationship with her master. And so, like, that... Or now, you know, now he's just her friend. Like, that's not... They're, they're not Master Padawan anymore. And so having, I think, that core thread of, like, these are who you need to follow and these who are who you are emotionally connected to. And so you can like see characters like weave in and out of their story um, and know that like, okay, but the main, the, the important thing is, yeah. is, is, is Keeves, is Keeves arc. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And I think that sort of the flip side to what I was just saying is that like there, it is sort of an, that's how interconnected stories work. Like you want to see like these connections, but you don't want them to overwhelm the story and, and sort of, each of the the lines, as it were, like the the YA books, we've got Wreath and Comac, and the young adult books, we've got Vernestra and Emery. You know, here now in the mm-hmm. comics, we've got Keeve and Skier, Keeve and Skier. I don't know what, yeah. <laughs> you, and then in, oh. in the adult novels, we have like uh, thirty seven Jedi as our main characters. You know, yeah. <laughs> but like you sort I, of like if if you're picking one series, you can sort of follow the series, and and it you know so long as your focus is like investment in the story of the main characters, like that then gives you sort of what you need to sort of brush away maybe references or Easter eggs that you might not otherwise get. Right. Like for, for example, with these two as well, like uh, just listen to the Tempest runner. Um, And so like the Tempest runner has like a brief snapshot of uh, skier and, and Keeve right at the beginning when, right before, you know, Mm -hmm. Lauren is captured. What? Say it five times fast. Keeve and Skier. Skier and Keeve. Skier and Keeve. Skier and Keeve. Like, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, that was also written by Kevin Scott. So, like, you could, you you felt the snapshot of the characters, but mm-hmm. also, like, even though we kind of even got a little glimpse of, like, the struggle that Skier is going through with, you know, controlling his rage, um, it all, the main point of that was that is how Lorna got captured. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's interesting because I listened to that before I read this and I did not like the fact that those characters were in it. Maybe I registered it at the time, but is not a memory that I have now that you're telling me this. So again, yeah. it kind of just <laughs> goes to show that like the way you read these stories is sort of to focus on your mains and then 
pick up on yeah. other references that you see yeah. and the others don't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I anyway, think- we like got way sidetracked from talking about <laughs> Skier uh, yeah. as, a, as a Jedi master. I think I even, you were in the middle of a point when, when I uh, took us down the side road. <laughs> That's fine. But yeah, no, it was, it was the point of just like, Hey, like we can see like glimpses of him being gentle and like mm-hmm. of him trying to be who he was before it gets ripped away in like increasingly traumatic fashions. Yeah. And I, I thought it was such an interesting choice with Skier. Like he's this Trandoshan, like traditionally the Trandoshan species is again, if we're going to generalize an entire species, they're like mm-hmm. kind of slimy bounty hunter, like Bosk is, is sort of their prototype. Right. right. Um, and so right away, I'm like, okay, I want to like this character. Um, and, and obviously he's, he's one of the main good guys. So like he is being presented as this likable character, but then right away, his first story arc is about how he's like falling to the dark side and doing these evil, gross things, which I would yeah. expect from a Trandoshan, but like, I don't want to expect from Skier because I want to, I want Skier to right. be this likable character that like Keeve is saying that he is. And so it's, it's very funny, <laughs> sort of just like bending of expectations and then like bending over backwards so that we were back at, at the starting point. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I think, honestly, like, the reread helped a lot for me in Mm -hmm. kind of, like, going back and kind of catching all of, like, because as much as I I love comics, sometimes it's hard for me to, because I'm mostly a book reader, I will, like, jump to the words and the texts and then kind of skip over, like, my first read, I'll, like, skip over a lot of, like, what the visuals are. Uh, So, like, going back... I'm reading through and like slowing down my reading and making sure like I'm looking at like the pages um, as like a whole and kind of catching the visual details. Like I could start to see, um, and maybe this is also because like I've read, you know, a few issues ahead, like I'm, I'm caught up. Um, and so I know where Skier's journey goes. Uh, but like kind of going back and being able to catch those like softer moments of Skier being like, Oh, this that like this is who he was mm-hmm. i want to see more of it and for me like that starts to become the tragedy of the situation in that i'm seeing a glimpse of who keeve knows and i want to know him more yeah so yeah as a total as a total sidebar like i've been yeah. trying to practice more mindfulness with my reading because i have found that i just like don't retain anything and it's because i'm like mm-hmm. so busy trying to like finish books for the list versus like actually absorbing right. the stories uh and like ask me anything that happened in the crystal star i don't think i could tell you a single detail about the book and we did a whole podcast on it like even so (laughs) anyway the point is like i've actually found that what is counter counterintuitive to what i would have expected but i found that comics are like really good for that because like the artwork forces me to slow down and like Mm -hmm. i like it 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 gives me something else to grip onto and like take in a little more of what's happening in each panel versus the page where something's just going reading 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 and suddenly i'm four pages later realizing like oh my gosh my brain was somewhere else i did not retain a word of that um so it's been kind of interesting as i've been uh, starting to get reading comics a little more those last few months uh, getting back into the the medium yeah has it been like helpful especially with because not only are there comic not only are there comics not only are there like images in there but also the way the lettering is placed is like very deliberate and is basically a part of the artwork does do you think that might help as well yeah i think i don't know if i've necessarily thought about that specifically but it's a good good point that just like um there's there's sort of like a map right like the where the words are is kind of like the map through the page right and and each page is different so 
uh, almost like that, that is almost a nice sort of uh, ADHD thing to sort of every page is a little bit different. So I, it's not just start at one end and work your way to the other as it right. is when you're reading a traditional book. So that keeps it interesting and exciting too. Yeah. That I, I hadn't thought of it like, like that, but that makes a lot of sense. Like that's a good way to look at the, the comic medium, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Like, yeah. So yeah, I, I, I thought Skier was great. I I hope that and it seems like hopefully, well, where, where I ended Skier is seemingly dead. So uh, rip, I guess. And also I'm pretty sure he's not. <laughs> um, and, and I'm hoping that I will eventually get to see him sort of as a full fledged non possessed Jedi master and, and sort of get more of that um, gentle, uh, but hard, hard loving, but gentle skier that has been alluded to so far. Yeah. Yeah. I, Kind of go heading back to an Obi Wan comparison because I just realized like um, there was there there was a blog that I used to read a lot called Snark Wars where the character where we're not the <laughs> character the um the author she would she would like recap uh, Star Wars books episodes movies etc in a very snarky fashion uh, but like mm-hmm. completely out of love like like she absolutely adores like all the bonkersness of the prequels and uh like her favorite character is obi-wan and like one of the ways that she talks about obi-wan is like when she first watched the original series she saw obi-wan kenobi and was like what's like your story like you know you alec guinness like alec guinness obi-wan like that's a lot of statements that you just kind of like threw out there when talking (laughs) with luke like you know the clone wars and jedi knight and like you know um obviously like you know we got some discussion but like okay but like what's your story how did you get to this place and kind of looking at this now like i'm i'm realizing that i'm kind of having the same reaction to skier of like i am seeing you after a lot of your story has been told Mm -hmm. or a lot of your story has happened so now i'm curious like where does where did this come from like like what what got you to this place so yeah, that's that's yeah. a good point. There's there's a lot of history, obviously, with this character already when we're jumping in. Yeah. And I mean, maybe they would explore this, maybe they wouldn't. But again, Trandoshan's having this sort of stereotype. Like, I have we ever seen a Trandoshan Jedi before? I don't. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I don't have the, I'm not as versed. I'm sure there's one in Legends somewhere that someone can tell us about. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure there is, yeah. But just yeah. the thought of this being, a, like, I mean, I would love a story someday where there's a hot Jedi um feeling pretty yeah. good that we got a hot a hot rock star that i get to um I geek out about right now. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> uh, the best but like that well, would be so interesting because like here is a species that has the stigma like look at mm-hmm. the, how it was controversial to you know partner up with the huts like yep. what would that look like to have sort of uh, an individual that is a species that is seen as quote-unquote bad and what is yeah. their story of like going through the Jedi training and, and are they treated differently? Like how do they train them? Are there species specific things that Trandoshans experience in the force that mm. Skier's masters were completely ill-equipped to train him on because they don't right. typically train Trandoshans. That, and like, that's a, that's an interesting point too, because like even in, uh, in issue five, uh, the, la- the last issue we read was uh, Skier had, um, like the hut the the hut lady i forget her name but like she was like 
calling, you know, the trend, you know, Skira Trando, Trandoshan brute. Like, of course he's acting like this. He's mm-hmm. he's a Trandoshan. That's what they do. I'm like, huh. Like, so like, yeah, it's it's not just kind of a a stig like a um a read that we have from like readers coming in to be like, oh, every Trandoshan we see is like this. But like actually going in and like there are characters in universe where there is a stigma surrounding, you know, the Trandoshan species. I did actually write down because I thought it was very funny. The Hut introduced herself as Mayarga, the benevolent. <laughs> and then when uh, it becomes obvious to her that the Jedi aren't going to cooperate with her, she changes her name to Mayarga, the merciless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I like her. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's good tactic. Like I, I, I'm Danny, the actually, you know what? It changes based off the situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my way of letting you know how i'm feeling right now <laughs> yeah it, it's it's like the um uh you know you state something like bitch affectionate or bitch derogatory yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um i think the last thing that i want to say on skier is just that because he's trandoshan there are multiple s's whenever he says the s sound which was fine except what he was saying words like center and they decided to spell it s-s-s-e-n-t-e-r and my brain just went like no what how what <laughs> Okay, fine. I see what you're doing here, but I'm still mad about it. <laughs> Not the way I want it to go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Just little things. Mm-hmm. Should we, like, I know we've touched, like, on Keeve here and there, but, like, do we Yeah, want she's to kind talk? of our main character. We yeah. should probably talk about uh, Criff and Keeve. Yeah. Uh. Her inability to contain her potty mouth. Such a great character <laughs> trait. And I now have five new uh, Star Wars swear words. Uh, well, no, not they're all not new because we've had Dank Ferric before, but we can mm-hmm. now add Criff, which can be used both as Criff as an explanation or Criffing as a verb or mm-hmm. adjective. We have What the Varp. Uh, we have Drooking, which I think also you can say just Drook again, sort of like Criff. And then Crick, which is yep. an, uh, an expletive, which can be shouted uh, in and of itself. So yeah. educational comic books here for us. So educational. I... Uh... <laughs> it like it, it is it is like a classic bit of humor but i still love it where basically when she gets knighted she's like oh damn you're avar oh fuck oh shit oh no sorry uh fuck yeah. it. oh god damn it <laughs> like like right before her knighthood like oh yeah and then that's the Keith. moment that she becomes a jedi knight yeah that was great that's a good character uh, moment uh I also like just in the fir- the first issue does such a good job of establishing her character um, mm-hmm. of like you internally, you can see she's frustrated as hell with these little guys. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like she does her best to be like outwardly kind and not just because like, oh, I got to appear nice for the sake of appearance, but like, no, this is the way you're supposed to treat people. Right. So there's like, even if when she's annoyed, there's a genuineness to her, uh, to her kindness and to her compassion. I just like the the fact that like I feel like that's a really like actually just realizing it now as I'm saying it is like that's a great like element of like Jedi having emotions but not letting them control like the way you respond to people. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I my inter- my take on Keeve was that we are very similar in that she demonstrates her love for others by insulting them. 
<laughs> or like at the very least being like snarky with them. Like generally mm-hmm. there's like a direct correlation between the amount of snark I throw at someone and the amount of love I feel for them in my heart. <laughs> Which can be really off-putting and confusing to people sometimes. <laughs> and I can't help it. It's just who I am. And and I feel like that was the case with Keeve as well. And like, so you can tell like she did genuinely care about these little blue fairy friends, even if they were driving her nuts in this moment. Right. Yeah. And you, yeah, you're right. Like the, she, like she does have a lot, like the, the point where we see the glimpse of her and Skier that we get of their relationship before it all starts going south they are snarking at each other mm-hmm. like uh, and like having banter back and forth and like, uh, you know, what are they teaching at the Jedi temple these days? You know, why don't you ask my master and um, sorry about the tree? No, you're not. No, I'm not like, <laughs> yeah. Also, she's just like super buff. Like she threw skier yeah. and broke a tree with him yeah. in the first page. <laughs> like what? <laughs> she's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that's, that's a trait we don't have in common. I would not be no. able to uh, not be able to break a tree with my Jedi Master, unfortunately. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We'll you keep won't the leg days going. We'll see. <laughs> you won't be able to throw a lizard, break a tree. No, not yet. No. Yeah, I I think one of the things that like I really appreciate about like in these first five, um, com- especially in like the first three, I feel like um, was a lot of. Keeves like doubts both about just herself in general, but then specifically about the leap to becoming a knight. Yeah. Um, because she will like, even through her trial, even though like she had a really strong trust in the authority of skier and in the authority of the Jedi in general, uh, especially in that first episode uh, to the point where at the end, she believes that oh skier made this happen like like skier knew this was that the giant the, the radachi or um were going to come and like threaten this town so that was my actual trial mm-hmm. and she thinks it was set up and so she's got this like huge trust in the authority of skier and the authority of the jedi that really quickly over the next two issues just gets dismantled Right. Um, and, and like in the fifth comic, uh, it was the fifth one that, that Skier men, uh, like acknowledged that he actually didn't know it was coming. Right. Yes. Like yeah. her trial. Yeah. Yeah, like, that, the end there. yeah. And so to, and so like that whole, like kind of deconstruction of like Kiev thought she was just concluding her trial. Like, you know, she was passing the test that, some a trusted authority figure laid out for her but in reality she defied authority to do something good um and trusted her own instincts on what that good thing was um and that ended up saving the town and then like or the city and then like after that like we kind of see the deconstruction of her ability to see authority figures as infallible but also kind of a slow building i think of her own um of her own self-confidence because at one point she's like, I don't, I would usually bring this to Avar and, you know, skier, but they're, they're having at it in the ship. Like they are in a middle of an argument, a really bad argument. So I guess I got to handle this on my own. Like this is one area where I'm really uh, nervous about the future of the higher public, because all these Padawans, Keeve, Emery, Vernestra, uh, 
wreath. Like we see them in these situations where over and over they're learning that like adults don't always know what they're talking about. Right. Um, and but we also know that the trajectory of the Jedi Order is downward <laughs> up to getting to mm-hmm. the prequel trilogy. So like either they're all gonna just have to they're all going to defect and get out of there because it's like flawed beyond fixing already, or they're going to become a part of the problem. Like, and I find both those to be very depressing story trajectories. Right. There, there's one that like, hmm, there was a line in Dooku lost Mm -hmm. about a Jedi called Trennis being one of the lost. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And so I think like just the way that, Keeve's arc is going I feel like I feel like it's not she falls to the dark side I yeah. think it's more that like I I don't know like I, I think it'd be more like I can do better I can do good on my own sort of thing like mm-hmm. or I don't but maybe it was a different Trennis I don't know sure but so like yeah, that's been... we, we always see like family relations of people with same last names in Star Wars so right 100% we always see that you know Skywalker right but that was also written by Kevin Scott. So there's definitely, it was yeah. intentional for sure to, to yeah. have us asking this very question, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So and I, like I, I do, I am interested in that story of seeing yeah. some of these Padawans become lost 20. And, and like, I think that that would be interesting. It just bums me out too, because it doesn't really mm-hmm. set an optimistic uh, tone for like our ability to change large governmental structures <laughs> in the future. And I think to a <laughs> or whatever certain extent, yeah, and I think to a certain extent, like, even though this is far removed from, like, you know, it's 200 years before, you know, Palpatine does his whole shtick, mm-hmm. but he didn't create the corruption in the Republic. He didn't create the corruption in the Jedi. Like, it happened over time, and he just took advantage of it and stoked it. And so, like, I feel like to a certain extent, like, even though I feel like we are going to I feel like we're going to, whenever the High Republic ends, like, quote, unquote, like, I feel like there will be, like, victory and hope because that's Star Wars. That's just how Star Wars is. But also, I think there is going to be uh, some sort of, like, it's it's not going to be some glorious victory. We we know that it can't be some glorious victory that saves the Jedi and the Republic forever because we know it's Mm -hmm. coming. So it's, it's it's this weird, like, hopefulness because it's a time before a lot of that corruption set in, but also that means that the corruption is going to happen. So, yeah. 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 It's, uh, I mean, it's real is the thing. I think that's something we've talked about over and over again is how these these are some of the most relatable characters. I think that the mm-hmm. the theme that we've seen, that we, like here with Keith specifically, uh, and with the other younger characters, again, is sort of this questioning of self-confidence and, and sort mm-hmm. of this growing into their own as Jedi Knights and and recognizing that like the adults don't always have all the answers. And frankly, I think that's a good lesson for all kids and adults alike. Right. No matter how many times we see it and how many different iterations. And I love that that's been a theme of these, uh, of my favorite characters within this larger higher public world. (laughs) Yeah. And, and also that it's being told from so many different characters perspectives that, Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a young black woman here. You've got a black teenager. You've got two black teenagers now, and like multiple, um, like uh, alien boys. Um, in uh, High Republic Adventures, you got you know Bell, um, in yeah, 
the, uh, the main books. The, the main, the main, <laughs> the books. adult books. Yeah, the you've, books. You've, you've got Imri, who uh, and who's like really empathetic. You've got Vernestra, who's asexual, um, and you've got and art and you know there's bookworm nerd yeah. wreath. Yeah, bookworm nerd wreath. Like you get all like you know you got the ones who like want adventure and you the ones who don't want adventure. The ones who experience like you know attraction to folks people who don't you know and it's that all of these different people that it's that th- this experience isn't limited to just like one type of person yeah yeah really like um i, I think one area i like i think we could probably see a little more on like disability and also right. on body size but even like there's a little bit meg and i talked about uh the artwork in race to crash point tower how some of the characters were not the super skinny images that we're used to seeing for so many of our characters right yeah and like one of the like kind of like with disability um i do wish i do wish it wasn't confirmed that skier's arm will eventually like grow back like Mm -hmm. because he's a trendocean because because otherwise it would have been like hey that's that would have been great to like have an ongoing like disabled character who is one of the lead characters um in this in in the comic series and so it's nice that it doesn't like oh that'd be so interesting to explore yeah. like yeah. how do you do combat with a lightsaber with only one arm like and mm-hmm. what are sort of the adaptive technologies that to, to allow for that and to change it such that because we all know skier is going to continue to be just as competent of a jedi knight with one arm or two right and and that's one of the um like and also like that we we see other we see this happen with other like obviously he's an alien and but like in other parts of the comic, like the archivist, like like wearing a suit, like has like you know help is a mobility aid. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's for a blob of goo, and so it's also <laughs> still kind of othering. So you right. know when are and that's one of the things like uh uh it was Avar had corrected uh Vernestra on the twins' pronouns, um you know, directly said they, like not he, they. Mm-hmm. And like, again, like that's awesome. And like, gr- we do have other non-binary characters in Star Wars that are like we have um, in High Republic Adventures, we've got a human uh, named Cantum Sai, uh, who is non-binary. But they're, but like, you know, there's that kind of like, okay, but they're non-binary because they are these weird twins. Yeah. And it's like, hmm. Yeah, I had like a moment of excitement and then I was like, oh, but they're just they're because it's yeah. plural they in this case. Yeah. Ugh. And, <laughs> and and so it's 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 kind of like a juggle of, you know, wanting to have the exploration and like being able to if, you know, yeah, us being non-binary or um, or me being like asexual, like I the first kind of ace rep that like I really that was like close to being like 100 percent uh canonical for me was actually Omi the Dianoga <laughs> um in the short story <laughs> no the, there's the short story by Nettie Okorafor in from a yeah. certain point of view from like o- view, yeah Omi is like very much like like directly mentioned like not interested in reproduction not interested in any of that but does want a partner like, you know, does want, you know, someone to, you know, have life with. And so, like, that was like, oh, well. It's like an adorable story and also at the same time just like really depressing commentary on <laughs> representation, right? Right. 
Um, like in a vacuum, that'd be really nice and sweet. <laughs> right. And so like, there are things that like, you know, obviously like any marginal, any person of a marginalized identity can like come in and say like, Hey, this alien that ha- that shares a trait with me, I can claim that. And I can like mm-hmm. love that. And I can feel seen by that, but that's not where it should be limited to. Like, like it, it like we deserve to see ourselves like, like as 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 human as as any you know able-bodied skinny (laughs) straight cis person so yeah 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 totally um yeah sarah sarah and wait sarah and tarek is that sarah yeah sarah and tarek oh (laughs) try saying that five times fast yeah come on what kevin what are you doing (laughs) Uh, my my uh, issues with the uh, good, well-intentioned, I'm going to say non-binary representation aside, mm-hmm. uh, I, like it was an interesting concept of having these forced twins uh, starting yeah. to get a little dyad-y, uh, <laughs> but uh, oh. it, was, uh, it was an interested. It was it was a cool concept and I'm excited to yeah. kind of explore that more too. I hope that they get a little more FaceTime because they were definitely sort of tertiary characters in this. Huh. I you know I hadn't seen it from the dyad perspective. Yeah. And honestly, any like any dyad any bit of like dyadness in Star Wars that makes it clear that it's not just a romance thing, I'm good. Like yeah, give, like <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, let's let's make it clear that it doesn't have to be like that. That sort of connection isn't like purely you know attraction based. Right. But. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I don't know how dyad-y it really is because, like, they're both Jedi. They're both of the light side, but um, yeah, it is just interesting. Again, sort of the there's a there's a duality there. I think, but I don't know yeah. if there is because they're essentially the same person, just split into two bodies. Almost it seems like is what they were going for. It it kind of feel like, and some sometimes it feels like that because they say we, um, mm-hmm. and they'll refer to each other. They'll they'll like you know, but at the same time. They will also correct Keeve on which one is which. Right. Like, oh, nope, I'm Sarat. I'm Tarek. Like, so there yeah, is. Yeah, and some... even just the nature of having two different names. Yeah. So there is some individuality to them. Um, and so I don't. And so, yeah, that, that would be that would be kind of interesting to see, like, to what extent are they. Like, like, where is the we and where is the me? Mm-hmm. Kind of in between, uh, in between that point. Um, I, I yeah. kind of one of the things I do kind of wish is that I wish there was at least like some slight uh, way for us to tell them up, like for us uh, like readers to tell them apart, even if it was like really subtle. Like, for example, mm-hmm. in the uh, manga slash anime uh, or on High School Host Club, there's a set of twins um and even though they're identical twins the artwork will have their um hair parted like one twin will have the hair parted one way and the other twin will have it parted the you know the other to the other side sure so that if you were paying attention you could pick up on you know who is who i don't i i tried this time but i couldn't i couldn't pick up to see like if there was a difference and i kind of wish there was just at least some subtle hint so that like we as the audience could get to know them more yeah 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, they also did remind me of the gay cats that Saf loves from the Lando comics. So, <laughs> the, the what? Have you read the Lando comic? I have not. Oh, Dylan, get thee to a Lando comic <laughs> selling place. Uh, the gay cat brothers are fantastic. Gay cat brothers Lando comic. Okay. Yep. Yep. I don't. I don't think I need to say anything more. Uh, that's enough of a tease for you. Um, I have just a couple other sort of like random bullet points that I wanted to mention from these comics. One is that uh, Grandmaster Yoda is just like walking around on Starlight Beacon. So all this time I've been saying and thinking like he's off on sabbatical somewhere, but no, he's just choosing not to be involved in the main events of the story. Like what's happening here? Um, High Republic Adventures is where you're going to hear about Yoda. Okay, great. That's so next on the list. Series. So I guess okay. we'll, other comic we'll series. Uh, put a pin in that. Yeah, put a pin in that. That's where you're going to get to see more of more of Yoda. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Um, I loved this whole concept of the star locusts for one full stop. Yeah. Uh, and then that like there was this, the idea was that like Starlight Beacon was sort of disrupting their migration. Yeah. And yeah. so they saved the star locusts and got them on their right migratory route. But then as far as we know, didn't move Starlight Beacon or didn't change the frequency in which it was broadcasting anything. So basically they're just going to continue to disrupt migrations of interplanetary species going forward. They, they did they did change the frequency. Uh, there was like oh they did okay they did. Um, there there was like a, uh, a, a bit a bit of banter between uh, Kiev and Maru in which um, uh, Kiev uh, mimicked replicated the beacon signal to get them back on track, and then Maru mm-hmm. said um, I'll recalibrate the beacon to broadcast broadcast on a different frequency. Um, one that won't interview with a swarm? No, one that's broadcasting Arcadian jazz. Like <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, yes, yeah. got it. So 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 they, they, they did wrap that up, fortunately. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe okay. it'll affect some other species migration. Maybe it'll get a bunch of purgles. Like <laughs> Right. That was I this is just a thing that only Danny would ever clue into in the comic, but I guess I was just like, I want them to like hi- hire a environmental safety like officer or something to like pay attention to what is what are the other life that we are affecting by having this giant beacon here. Right. They they need they need an anti wreath. Like wreath is writing OSHA and the yes. anti wreath is writing about bugs. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> That's hopefully that's the next arc of the series. And if not, we'll see it down the road. I have faith in the higher public team. Yep. Um, little Easter eggs for Rogue Podron fans from the very beginning. Uh, the whole thing was that the huts were transporting uh, barley and the scientific name for the barley was Vratixia renanicus, renanicus. And as far as I remember, the Vratrix were instrumental in the creation of Bacta on the planet Typhara, which is where the barley was coming from, which was what they were using to make Bacta. So it was all it was all tied into the Legends continuity from uh, from the early X-Wing books. And oh, okay. Someone with better reading comprehension and retention could could lay those out for you better than I just did. But I noticed words that I remembered from seasons <laughs> one through four of Rogue Padron, and I know that our listeners will uh, be will, would have been tickled to see those references. I think. Yeah, it it is really fun to like catch glimpses of like oh that's i i know that like and like to and to see it kind of taking shape especially with the whole bacta thing like the fact that bacta in this time is the miracle drug yes like because we're so used to it being commonplace and like 
you know, you, you apply back to the everything, but now it's like, brand yeah, apparently new it's and... better than rejuve. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, Star Wars. Sometimes your names are beautiful and sometimes they're, uh, uh, uh. I, I, I do yeah. love when Star Wars kind of gets into this. We were talking about the, uh, the hyperspace lanes in the last episode and, and yeah. just sort of these things that are really sort of mundane everyday things, but like, Bacta would be such a revolutionary thing in its time and, and mm-hmm. like it to see sort of the development of that. And like, of course, the Hots are trying to capitalize on like black marketing, the stuff you need for it. Um, right. It's, it's just it's very thoughtful. And I appreciate sort of that tying in of of more everyday item stories into the larger galaxy spanning adventures. Right. And like it also kind of broadens and fills out the world a little bit better in terms of who like like what uh what the galaxy needs like on like some really basic levels um you know like medicine as opposed mm-hmm. to just you know i know it's called star wars but like you know like but beyond the wars like beyond the battles like what are the smaller things that impact everyday people yeah and, you know industry and development in the labor market yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> um Avar Chris is basically the human embodiment of I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yes. <laughs> That's all I had to say about that. <laughs> um, oh and then the God. last thing was just that like the we've been we've been tracking the Dren gear on the High Republic. We are big fans of the Dren mm-hmm. gear on the High Republic. Uh, and it was nice to see, yeah, we got some more meat. Uh, they're much more terrifying visualized than when described in words, I have to say. Oh yeah. Um, and it was nice to see their origin story and how they like how because we didn't really fully get that in out of the shadows or uh, into the dark of like what what was happening exactly when Wreath like went to that other world and like uh, uh, woke up the Drengear essentially. So it was nice to kind of see sort of the explanation for that. Right. Yeah, and that was together. Yeah. And like also eating like, you know, hey, like we'll eat them like in in into the dark my thought was like eating them oh it's just like chowing on them which is you Mm. know is terrifying enough but like the whole thing of like being like the potential to be um possessed yeah no you become a plant because we're going to stick our vines through your body (laughs) yeah and then like whether like you know they're puppeting them like they did to one of the twins or to skier or the fact that they are just like hanging upside down and having their nutrients leaked, like leached yeah. from them. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Yep. <laughs> like the drink gear are definitely are good, like visual. Uh, yes, I agree. Visual villains. I would love to see them either animated or in live action someday. Oh God, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then also on the Dren gear, I just love that we we've learned different ways to deal with the Dren gear, um, logic and reasoning, as we mentioned. Um, and in this comic, we learned that the Dren gear are germaphobes, and yeah. so you just have to tell them that there's a disease, and they're out of there. Or yeah. like, take your mask off in their vicinity, and they're like, "Oh, germs! No, oh, I'm well, out. Done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're in a mask mandate situation. Come on." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was um like I like that what like I guess kind of going back a little bit to Skier is that like in understanding and like choosing to get infected, 
he knew that was how to like understand them in order to best them. And like sure. even as violent as Skier was becoming, um, through the infection of the Dren gear and through just his trauma, um, he like the way that he was able to find the answer, the solution was through like a a, a non a, as as nonviolent as you can get around the Dren gear in like convincing them to stop fighting and to start running instead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was like kind of a glimpse of again like another glimpse of that skier that that keeve knew but we didn't right so. yeah. yeah yeah that was good did you have any other thoughts or feelings or topics of discussion regarding marvel's the higher public issues number one through five um not i i freaking love keeve's undercut <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's i oh we're gonna see some good high republic cosplays that whether it's at celebration next year or celebration in 10 years when we finally can have conventions again but i am I, so excited to see the high republic cosplays she like yeah like and, and her outfit like with the splash of green like i'm not a big fashion person but like keeve has an iconic look and i love it yeah yeah, yeah i agree yeah I yeah think... this was fun i like the i like the high republic in comic form I'm excited to read the next batch of issues and I'm, re- I'm really excited to check out the adventures as well. Um, mm-hmm. And cause I've heard a lot of good stuff about the characters in those too. So this was great. Yeah. Yeah. The comics are really, the comics are a huge delight in, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And especially with the care and like the, this series of comics, like the characters we get to focus on and centralize on. Um, and also for me, it helped like with especially like the second batch as things are getting more in interconnected like you know with the rising storm and like all of this um it really helped kind of interconnect when like elzar is like wondering where is where is avar why isn't she here well she's off doing this like you know mm-hmm. and and so to kind of have that in the back of my head of like i know where she's at i know what she's doing and what she's up to and like this has been fun to have kind of as my baseline off of which like the other books build. Sure. So, yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that you and I are uh, unique in our uh, willingness and ability to read as many books as we do in a year. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like right. for a lot of people, maybe you want to be in on the higher public, but like that, that's a lot of words that have come out just in this year alone. And oh, so to be able what? to have something that's a little bit less like of a commitment uh, to, to sort of experience the story is really great. And it's like, it's a good legitimate story of the higher public. Like it is tied into yeah. a lot of the major stuff happening in the books, which is great. And yeah. And I think that it's also really self-contained um mm-hmm. to the point that like there were a few things that i was like well like a few things happened in the novels where i'm like well if someone didn't read the comics would they even understand what's going on here mm-hmm. um or like would this have the same impact like this feels like a pretty pretty big plot big plot point um but yeah i would recommend these because they are you know quick to read because you know they're comics comics are short but they are also got some really good character moments and like I feel like one, you got one of the big three. You've got Avar Chris involved, um, but uh, I almost said Skeeve. God damn it, Danny! <laughs> <laughs> but Skier and and Keeve are, I think, are good. Are two good characters to ground yourself in 
to just experience the High Republic in general. If you, especially yeah. if you're, you wanted kind of the Jedi action adventure side of things, they're they're good characters. They've got a good dynamic that are, is worth getting into. Yeah, totally cool. Hey, while I have you here, yes, I know you never say no to have a platform for this. You have some thoughts. I'm aware, I believe, of how Dexter Jester could uh, as as remote a possibility as it might be could somehow work his way into these stories and i was wondering if you might be willing to share your dream scenario for how dexter jester might become a part of the high republic storytelling initiative so first let's just say we don't know the bestialist lifespan uh Mm -hmm. so we, we we don't know if he was alive here or not I guess the way that I mostly consider Dex is I do in in my brain and like, hey, High Republic authors, feel free to prove me wrong. I feel like he <laughs> was born after this time, like he was born or hatched after this time. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, there is, but maybe he was a kid. Maybe he was a kid during this time. That would be cool. That'd be cool. Little tiny baby Dex. Yep. Little tiny baby Dex being like, you know, held by a Jedi. That would, hey, look, that would be cute. Um, but we do know that Into the Dark, through Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, is that there is a diner described um, that uh, Allie, uh, Allie Holloway and her uh, foster mother go to. And it's described as having checkered floors and, uh, uh, droids uh, bounce precariously on one wheel, like basically flow. And like the, the the discussion, like the description of it is, this is the diner that we see in Attack of the Clones. Well, not like... Yeah. The, How could there be any other diner in Coruscant well, with checkered floors and droid servers, right? Not not like the... Di- <laughs> I'm not saying that this is Dex's diner, but like this Got is it. the style. Like, that is the style right. of Dex's Diner. That genre of restaurant. Yeah. That, that genre of restaurant. Um, and with the and, and background, like, audio, uh, visual dictionary for, um, for Attack of the Clones, and then at least, like, one other, one other location, I can't remember, like, but it was described as Dex got this place and then he remodeled it like he got the diner and then in, in okay this is a granted legends but in legends he got the diner and then he remodeled it to uh, oh it was his menu dining at dex's um that and then he remodeled it specifically to evoke a golden age of the republic mm-hmm. which sounds like the high republic to me and yeah. granted that, Why is that it so is- nostalgic for the golden age of the republic i wonder so <laughs> I I think like if he didn't grow up in it, he might have idolized it because yeah. in uh, the light of the Jedi, like the first part of the great disaster where everyone was just like, I don't know if I can save everyone, but I have to try. Like, mm-hmm. and there was like the alert of like going out to the Hetzel system of like, we are going to send this broadcast out to our people because maybe they can't make it out. But if one person gets saved, that's one person that was saved. And if you read some of like the places that Dex shows up um, in Legends, where he meets Obi Wan Kenobi, he's actually kind of gotten himself into a bit of trouble because he saw people hurting, and the line that and one of the lines he gives to Obi Wan Kenobi is, 
I had to do something. Um, and then in canon, in the smuggler's guide, um, like his, like the whole, like his whole entry is about him being like, there's this huge issue that like, basically that there's these people being exploited. I'm just one person. I can't save them all, but I've saved one of them. I, Mm -hmm. I did what I could. I went in there and one person is better for it. And so like, I could see that whole, we are all the Republic, which, you know, can take on different connotations depending on when it's said. But I can see Dex like learning about that we are all the Republic and that if we can just save one person, then one person will be saved. And I can see him kind of latching on to that. Sure. So that's, that's, no, I love that. <laughs> Thank you for letting <laughs> yeah. me spout about Dex. <laughs> Well, I, now I'm imagining that there are like High Republic days at Dex's diner where he like uh, puts Aww. out uh, um, sort of like hol- puts on hollow vids about the great disaster and the glory days of the Republic or um, mm. has educational like the men like the the placemats have like uh, images of the different Jedi and sort of like educational little factoid boxes about them. <laughs> he, he has definitely tried to recreate Porter Engel's nine eggs stew. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. See, yeah. I forgot. I forgot about Porter Angle. You've got a you've got a Dex esque character already I, uh, in Porter Angle, don't you? I fucking love Porter. He, <laughs> I I love him so much. Like like I want like he he showed up right at the point of like I'm enjoying the light of the Jedi, but I don't know if I've got a character to where this isn't even about the comics anymore. But hey, he's going to show up in a comic written by yeah. Kevin Scott, so I'm I'm counting oh, that. Um, <laughs> he's going to show up in like one of like a like a one shot. Uh, written by Cam and Scott for this and like 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 Porter again also had that thing of like um when they heard that distress signal you know he and uh uh Idira Indira and Bell and Loden like heard that distress signal of the Nile attacking that one farm like Porter was the first one to say well it's time to go pack it up we're going we mm-hmm. gotta help him like like, and the fact that he refused to retire from the Jedi and instead was like, I'm going to go hang out at a dinky old outpost because there might be some way that I can help. Like, yeah. mm, I love him. Okay. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Lot, lots yeah. of love for the higher public. Uh, yeah. Thank you for, thanks for coming on and chatting with me. It's, it's, uh, it's good to have a, a comics fan somewhere within the rogue Padron realm to, to chat about these with. <laughs> Because I couldn't find any within the hosts themselves, so. <laughs> I feel I feel like some of them would really love the High Republic, like especially like this comic series, the High Republic, like just not adventures, but just High Republic. Mm-hmm. Like the center is a master Padawan relationship, and I think like yeah. Zaf is the one who like really likes those. I think she'd get into these pretty pretty well. I think. I think so too. We'll have yeah. to we'll have to work on indoctrinating the rest of them. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on and chatting. And yeah. uh, oh, uh, social media plugs. Where where are you at? Oh, uh, you can pretty much just find me. Well, no, social media just on Twitter at a Dylan Dev, uh, D D I L L O N for Dylan. Um, and on there, you'll find me frequently yelling about Dexter Jetster, um, and occasionally other Star Wars things. Uh, I also theoretically write, write for the website. 1138 which is <laughs> That's a another star, one. <laughs> star wars <laughs> words are hard um yep. which is a star wars uh fan journal 
Um, and you can, so it's 11-38 spelled out. Um, so no actual numbers in there, 1138.com. And I am one of the staff writers on there. I haven't written in a while, but there's still lots of good um, articles on there, including reviews um, from uh, reviews on the High Republic uh, books. So that's a good site to check out as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and uh, if you are listening to this, you know that Rogue Podron right now is doing Star Wars Visions episodes uh, via the Podrilorian. And I cannot recommend, we've only done one so far, but I cannot recommend them enough. Meg is an anime expert and I have, just in that one episode, I learned so much from her just about sort of connecting the Star Wars Visions shorts to the larger world of anime and sort of the history and context of these different genres and studios. Uh, it's been awesome. So uh, be sure to check those out. Rogue Potter and all the social medias. You know where to find us. Uh, you know where to give us your money. Uh, and that, I think that's going to be it. So uh, thanks, Dylan. And uh, with that said, we are all the Republic. Nice. Nice. Thank you. That's the best one yet. 